Hey, I'm Amber. And I'm Becca. From cranberries to cows and everything in between, this is Forward Farming. Hey guys. Welcome back to Forward Farming. I'm here with Dan and Porter. Dan Porter. We're filming or recording in Porter's nursery tonight, so this might be a short episode and there might be a lot of distractions, so, and Bear is in here too, so there's going to be some noises. Sorry about that in advance. Hashtag bless this mess. We're going to do the best we can, uh, but Dan is going to be joining me tonight uh, to talk about um, renovations on the Cranberry Marsh and some planting that we did this year. And with Porter, this might be a quick episode, so we're going to try to get it all in there. I don't know. We'll see. We're just kind of going with the flow tonight. Um, and if you're new here, Dan is my husband. Say hi. Hello. Um, Dan has been out here. How many years have you been working out here? Four years? Three years full-time? This fall will be my fourth harvest. Okay, so three, about three and a half years he's been here full-time. This is like, I was trying to do the math today, like your sixth planting. I think 2017 was your first year. Give me a couple minutes and I'll get 2017 was his first year planting. So whatever, do the math on that. I think that's six years. Yeah, it's the sixth. Six, yeah. So um, before we jump into that, happy belated Father's Day. <laughs> Thanks. How was your first Father's Day? It was good. Changed very few diapers. <laughs> um, if if you haven't heard Dan before, I promise he talks a little bit more. He did a couple episodes already. He did one with Joey and I and Becca. Joey's Becca's husband. That was like in our first season. So if you haven't listened to that one, that's probably one of my favorite episodes called uh, Ovaries to the Floveries. I couldn't think of it. Uh, that's a good one. And then he also did an episode with Joey and Tom, Annalise's husband. That was right before Porter was born. It was a boys only episode. So that was last summer. So if you haven't heard those yet, go check them out. Um, what did uh, what did Porter get you for Father's Day? It was a coffee mug from him. <laughs> yeah. What did your coffee mug say? It's a world's best farter. Yeah. And then underneath it said, oops, I meant father. He's not a good speller yet. No. What else did he get you? It's a movie from him as well. Yeah, it's Father's Day. <laughs> You're not my father. He got me a Spider-Man movie because I'm a nerd. <laughs> I'm trying to make Porter a nerd like me. Dan's very big into the Marvel thing. <laughs> I don't. I'm not. So if I wanted to see the new Spider-Man, it looked pretty. We watched, I watched like bits and pieces of it. It was pretty good. But what would you rate it? No, that sounded like a five. That's not, that's too low. Seven. Seven. Porter gives it a seven. So that's pretty good for Porter. Porter doesn't like TV very much. Except for the news. Oh yeah. He does like the news. So every time we have the news on in the morning and he hears <laughs> the little weather jingle, he just like snaps his neck, whatever he's doing to watch the weather. So he might, I mean, he's already off to a good start. <laughs> to be a farmer if he's that interested in the weather already uh okay enough enough of that let's 
mm. not pinch our fingers. We're set up on Porter's changing table right now. Uh, so I didn't want him to be crawling around here and tip this over on himself. So I figured this would be a good spot for us to sit. And there's a drawer right in front of us with uh, little snacks in it. So hopefully this will keep them. Everybody needs snacks when they're pooping. Everybody needs snacks while they're pooping. <laughs> um, okay, so I don't know how much I've talked about renovations on the podcast before, but cranberries are a perennial plant, just a little recap. So that means you don't have to replant them every year. I think our oldest vines that we have on the marsh, we have like six acres of vines that are over 60 years old. Um, and the rest are kind of staggered um, throughout the marsh too. So like our newer varieties, so there's different varieties of cranberries as well. So they're kind of like apples. They all pretty much look and taste the same, um, but the biggest difference is kind of their readiness harvest rate. Shape. And there's a little bit difference to the shape and the fruit density, the, the flesh thickness too, depending on um, if we want that variety to go more towards juice or more towards like the sweet and dried cranberries. Um, so the berries with the thicker flesh are gonna be turned into like the craisins, whereas like the thinner flesh berries are gonna be a little bit more juicier and those are a better cranberry to go into cranberry juice. Um, so uh, the variety that we planted this year is an early harvest. So that'll probably be ready like early September, is that what they said? Mm -hmm. The ninth is what they have been getting, but that all depends. September 9th, yeah. So this variety is new to us. So uh, the planting method was just a little bit different than it has been the previous couple of years. How many acres did we renovate? It's right about seven. Okay, so when we we plan our res renovations like two years in advance usually, so you can kind of tell when um, a bed is coming to the end of its like prime. Hmm? Oh, he's dirty already. Uh, so you can tell when a, when the beds are coming to kind of like the end of their prime, just when they aren't producing as much fruit as they used to, or they're not living up to like our standards or it's just, just not a good variety fit for us. Um, so after the last harvest of, Dan's trying to get diaper wipes out, sorry. Uh, so after the last harvest of that bed that we're gonna be renovating in this following spring, um, after the fruit is harvested, we'll go out and we'll pretty much light all the vines on fire and just burn everything off down to the ground. And then we'll go through, do you use a bulldozer first and push it all up? Mm -hmm into piles and then uh, we scoop all, we kind of push all that stuff to the edge of the bed so we can come in later with dump trucks, scoop all that old dirt, all the burnt vines out um, and haul that away. And that's all in the fall. So that's usually like all of our November, early December project. And then um, in the winter, once all that old dirt and stuff is hauled out, we don't want any remaining roots or any traces of the old stuff left. And then in the winter, when everything, when all that sand kind of freezes up, we'll go in um, with fresh sand and then haul that in with our dump trucks, dump it. And then Dan will push all of that into piles and make it all flat and get it to grade. So do you want to kind of talk about how you find grade, how to find like the perfect height yeah. or depth or whatever? So it all depends on what part of the marsh it's on. There are certain sections of the marsh that the way they're flooded in the winter and during harvest, 
it's the kind of stair step going downhill away from the water source. So then each bed going downhill is a little bit lower and a little bit lower. Um, but this section that we're doing right now, they are all actually level with each other because they all flood at the same time. They don't go down a ditch. Um, so what we did was we went to already an established bed just next door to the ones that we were working on this winter. And we found out you've got a spot that kind of, it's a pink dot. It's everybody knows that it's the pink dot. That's what we go by. Um, it's on one bulkhead on that side of the marsh. And we put the laser, kind of like a surveyor's laser um, in one of the beds and we figure out how high that is. Then we go into the new beds and figure out how much sand we need to put in to get to that level. And this arrow is pushing two feet of sand is how much, just about how much we brought in. And, and then, you know, once the wet winter comes and you get your frozen snow and it melts and water goes everywhere, I think we had to bring in another two or four inches back in to bring it back up to where it needed to be after it kind of settled over the winter. Then we took some out. So <laughs> it was a lot of bulldozer time for me this spring. And it's a lot of math too. So that's kind of like my dad's strong point is he can figure out pretty quick how many dump truck loads of sand that we need to get like two feet of sand all the way across the bed. Um, and he kind of also tells Dan what to set the grade at on his bulldozer. And so he can match it up with the laser and figure all that stuff out. Um, so once we get all of that sand hauled in and, and Dan gets it all to grade, then we have to go in um, and, and drag all the sand flat. And then we have to make sure that uh, we go in and we level it. What do we do with the poops? Uh, you're just going to have to change them. Change him on the floor. He'll be he can sit and stink for 10 minutes. <laughs> Did he poop? No. Oh, okay. We got time. We got a little bit of time. He just got done eating stir fry. So he's he might have a spicy poop tonight. Fingers crossed. Love it. Yeah, that's that's me. Anyway, so after we get everything all leveled off, then we go in with drain tile. And depending on where it's at in the marsh, you kind of have to figure out how wet that area is kind of historically. And then how many, how many rows of drain tile did you put in? Seven? Seven, yep. So drain tile, if you're not familiar with it, it just pretty much pulls any extra water out from the soil. And then we have the ditches that surround the bed and the drain tile runs the length of the bed. So how far would you, like how big do you think long? I don't remember how long each one of the tubes or the rolls were. It's like it 200 like, yards, isn't it? Well, it was like 500 or 5,000 feet per roll, and we went through seven rolls, so 35,000 feet. Um, it was a lot. <laughs> they were very long. Well, three and a half acres, and they're no more than... God, what, uh, so they're very long and pretty narrow. Yeah, there's... I don't remember how wide they were. I knew that number last week, but... It, whatever. They're, they're just very long. Well, and there's 24 sprinklers, and they're 60 feet apart. I don't do math. So again, very long beds. <laughs> well, 60 times 20. I don't want to hear you do math. It's going to be wrong. <laughs> Someone, if you have really good math skills, let us know how big that is. Um, but once they get all that drain tile plowed in underneath the sand, then we had to put in new irrigation pipe. Mm -hmm. um, so there's two rows of that that run the entire length of the bed. And then once they get that irrigation pipe in and buried, then they have to go in and and drill holes and hook sprinklers up to that underground pipe. Well, thank you. So this all happened last week that they were getting all this stuff set up. So that was like 
Monday, Tuesday that you're putting in Agreed. the irrigation pipe? And then like last Friday, you're doing the drain tile? We did drain tile Friday, and then the irrigation was plowed in on Monday. We did saddles Tuesday. And then it rained really bad Wednesday. And then Thursday morning at 6.30, we had a crew of guys come in and, and do our planting. So again, uh, we're doing a new a new variety this year that's going to be earlier harvest rate. And it's going to be like a really dark, almost like a purple red color. I'm excited to see them. Um, <laughs> but uh, cranberries are a self-propagating plant. So that means like you can cut them and then replant them and they'll grow from those trimmings. So there's actually a grower, a licensed grower that's how like five, 10 miles away from us hmm. who um, develops new varieties and then growers can go to him and purchase those varieties from him. So he grows them. You have to do this a couple years in advance, let him know what kind you want, how much you want. Um, and then he'll grow the, the vines up for you and then mow them and then put them into pretty much like a big hay bale. And these are smaller, I guess. They're still like 70 pounds. So like a 70 pound bale and then he'll sell you those vines and then you can plant them and then have like the rights to them and be your own. So this year, um, 520, 520 bales. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot. So eight, eight dump trucks full. So we had to go do eight dump truck full of these vines. And then what happened when you brought the vines back? Well, we have to keep them wet. So we set up sprinklers next to our ponds and a little jet pump engine and watered them all night until the next morning when we started planting. Um, and then we've got a glorified manure spreader um, that Scott will sit in a wheeled excavator. Scott's my dad. Oh, sorry. Amber's dad will sit in a wheeled excavator um, and he's got a little clam bucket and he'll pick up the vines, the bales themselves, put them into the back of the truck and we'll fluff them with pitchforks and whatnot. So you're pretty much just separating the vines yep. and, and breaking the bales apart. Yep, and then we dump this year in the back of our vine spreader which again, it's, I think I, in, in that first husband's uh, podcast, we talked about how John Deere doesn't really make implements for cranberry growers because there's what, 200 and some of us in the country. Yeah. So the market's not there for a John Deere cranberry vine spreader. So ours is handmade, but it really, it acts a lot like a manure spreader. And um, it has like, I'll try to put a picture or video up on it on my Instagram page, but it has a tarp that covers the back the end back of it. End, yep. So it's not like flying everywhere. It's more forced down straight into the sand. Yep. So it's got a big table that we, so this year we put 11 bales per load and that got us one lap on the whole bed. Um, and we sit in the back and mind you, these vines are wet. I, I kind of have to throw out my pants from last Thursday and Friday that I uh, spread vines in. Yeah, he has to take his pants off before he can come into the house because it's gross <laughs> um and we spread them out by hand a little bit and then we put them on this table as a conveyor belt with tines that rake the vines and then throw them against that tarp that amber was talking about and they drop straight down and this year we did 16 laps or 16 lines so eight full circles around the bed um to cover it and so with two beds we had 520 oh Five. We bought 520 bales and we got two for free. That was that was a deal, deal of the century. So 522 bales, 
Um, so each day we put down what 250, mm -hmm. 260 bales. Um, and then once those are all spread across the bed, I, I like to equate it to cutting, mowing your grass and taking the bags of lawn trimmings and throwing them in a bare spot in your yard. And two years from then you can, you have grass you can cut. That's what it looks like a lot. And then we, once, once the vines are laying on top of the fresh sand, and then we have a, another machine that is hand built by growers, um, just a, similar to a disc like you would for plowing. Um, and just discs and we push all the vines right into the sand and they stick up straight. Then we run the sprinklers a lot for the next couple of weeks until they start to send roots. So after um, the vines are planted, it takes about two or three years them to uh, grow, to develop a sizable crop that we can like make money off of. Um, so normally if we're not buying like new vines, what we can do is we can go, if we have a variety on our marsh that we really like that we want to replant, we go out and we pretty much have like a big lawnmower. Porter knows what I'm talking about. We have a big lawnmower and we just like buzz the vines right down to little tiny sticks. Um, and then we go in uh, and make little windrows with those and then drive over the vine clippings with a like an actual baler. Mm -hmm. um, and again, make those vines into bales. And then we just keep uh, those. So we have to do this before the vines really start growing. So um, usually like April is kind of when we, we mold the vines and then we have to keep them under constant running water. <laughs> because they are alive and we have to keep them alive oh and the, the water is obviously going to help that so we keep them in running water for probably like a month or so and then we can do the same planting process and uh there's there's also another way that you can uh do planting that we used to do which i'm glad we don't do anymore and that's with plugs so it's a very similar to like if you buy flowers and you get the little individual plugs of flowers that's how the what planting trees yeah or planting like an, trees like an orchard um so you we would get like this in like this giant flat of cranberry vines and every single plug had one little vine stick coming out of it and uh we'd have kind of like this sleigh that we would pull behind a tractor and uh it would fit i want to say like nine people in the in the sleigh and next to every seat, so you're riding like right down next to real low to the ground. And next to every seat, there's going to be like a little trough that's plowing a, a path next to your seat. And then you have a whole uh, tray, a whole flat of plugs sitting on your lap. And you're just throwing those plugs in there as fast as you can. And then kind of right behind your hand, there's two tires that will cover up the the trough and then push that plug right into the ground. And I think you're only going like half a mile an hour. So trying to do a bed as big as we just did would have taken us like an entire week, whereas this took you two days to do the two beds. So it's a little bit faster um, doing it the way that we have been. <laughs> so I'm glad, I'm glad we're, we're, we're changing. Dan's got banana stick all over his mustache from Porter. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so if we if we are mowing vines, it'll again take about two or three years before we can get a sizable crop off of it again. And 
that's that's what we do. And because we're ocean spray growers, we're kind of limited to how much we can plant every year. So we can't do like the entire marsh in one year. That'd be miserable. Um, so we're I think we can only do that's a percentage of your production. it's a very small percentage. Uh, so we we don't usually do more than like two or three beds a year. This is a lot. This is the most I've ever done. Yeah. Seven acres is the most I've done. I mean, granted, it's been six years, but it's the most acreage I've ever done. Yeah. So that's just so like we can't turn everything into like a top producing variety and like help produce a lot of other growers and like that whole. He's standing up on your chair. Oh, okay. As long as he's not falling over. He'll know. So what, what else are you doing in summer? What is the summer months like for you? Well, once we're done planting, um, this is late. We're about a month behind probably. Yeah. Just mainly because of the spring weather, um, the thaws and the freezing, the thaw and the freezing, and then having to mess around with a lot of different dirt levels like we were talking about earlier, um, having to raise and lower the bed a couple different times. And again, there it, it's a, seven acres is a lot to move sand if you're doing two inches at a time um, in a bulldozer. I get big piles if I'm taking two inches off when you're going over three and a half acres. Um, so that takes a long time. So about once we're done with that, um, I'm spent a lot of time in my mowing tractor. Um, 93 beds out here, 91, 93. I don't know. It's one of those two. Um, and each one of them has four sides and the ditches all need to be mowed mainly for weed control. Um, you know, if you let grass on the side of the bed go to seed, those seeds go right into the bed and then you got grass growing in the middle of the bed. We don't want that. That we fertilize once a week. <laughs> so the grass grows really well in the bed. Um, so I do a lot of mowing, whether it be our flood ditches, our bed ditches. Um, I do that and then it sounds like tomorrow afternoon, we're probably gonna start our summer fertilization schedule. Um, oh, it's gonna be hot. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is but not too much but um just saturday sunday morning amber's dad sprayed for fungicide to protect our new blossoms from you know with it being as humid as it has been um try and avoid <laughs> some fungus on the marsh um with you know because we're watering the vines almost every day um so there's and i think tonight i saw it's almost 40 percent humidity in the air right now so you go swimming in the sky. Um, so you kind of want to protect those blossoming berries from fungus and things of those that nature. Um, a lot of the summer is spent on weed control and feeding those berries once fruit set happens. That's when we really hit the ground running is once we start seeing pinheads, which I don't know if Amber has mentioned. So there's different stages of growth on the vine so it starts out as a bud obviously um and the buds are formed later summer for the following year so that's what we're protecting all winter long so when we're harvesting there's already the crop there for the next year um so then they go dormant <laughs> after harvest and they start coming out of dormancy in the spring after we have a couple of warm days and then uh, once they start coming out of dormancy, that just means the vines start growing again. And then the buds start swelling or getting bigger to develop the blossom. So they go through a couple different 
bud development stages. So they kind of start popping open and turning into like little hooks that the blossom pops out of. And the blossoms are really pretty. They smell kind of like a sweet clover, I'd say. Mm -hmm. And they look similar to the head of a sandhill crane. So they're pink and then they have like a little tiny beak. Um, and then the fruit develops inside of the petals. Um, so once that fruit starts forming and kind of pushing the, the blossom out, that's called a pinhead. And then the fruit just starts swelling. Um, so usually we start seeing signs of fruit. I was gonna say the end of, end of June, um, beginning of July. And then the rest of the summer they spend growing. Um, and then usually like July, kind of middle end of July into August, they the fruit starts out as like a really like a yellow green color. And then as the summer gets goes on, um, that fruit that's exposed to the sunlight kind of gets um, sunburnt. So it gets like that flush pink start of the red color. And then later in the summer, when you start getting cold nights, so like August, beginning of September, um, the cold weather is what turns the fruit the deep dark red color. So all the fruit that's kind of growing on top of the vines that's exposed to the weather usually has a better color than the fruit that's growing underneath. So like a vine can like um, one single vine produces an upright, which is like the blossom um, where the fruit grows and a single upright can produce I don't know, like the most I've seen is like seven berries on one single upright. So you usually have multiple berries on one single vine. So fruit usually grows kind of like in, like the vine when it grows, there's, it's a stocky stem or a, a woody stem, a stocky stock. <laughs> and it's a woody stem. And then there's kind of like the fruit. And then on top of that, there's gonna be foliage or like the leaves and the leaves act as a canopy to protect the berries from like heavy rain, hail, um, strong wind, just walking at it in general. Um, so that kind of acts as a canopy or a barrier from a lot of elements that the fruit is exposed to. So fruit that's growing kind of down on the bottom might not get that deep dark red color that the fruit growing on top <laughs> might. <laughs> Porter has, what are they? They're like little banana sticks. It's a Gerber um, soothing chew. So he has, he popped two teeth on the bottom, um, but like, it's kind of like a dried banana roll. <laughs> looks he like just, a rabbit toy. Yeah, it does. It looks like a little rabbit chew toy. So he's just mowing down on that. He has banana. <laughs> if you're, I'm going to put this up on YouTube so you guys can see it. And Dan and I are matching on purpose, obviously. Yeah, I got dressed first. Yeah, you did. did. You did. I was up earlier, but you got dressed first. It was up like 15 minutes after you. Still counts. <laughs> um, so now, uh, now that Frost Watch is kind of over, um, hopefully, oh. 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 now that Frost Watch is kind of over, hopefully, um, we're irrigating almost every day now. So, I'm doing most of the, I'm going to try to do most of the irrigating in the mornings just so I can get out of the house. <laughs> um, so that's usually like five o'clock until seven o'clock at the latest. And then I come okay. home and Porter's up chilling with, chilling with Dan. And then Dan goes to work and Porter and I chill that during the day. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and then um, I mow the lawn sometimes like once a week. 
<laughs> and then that's about it. That's about our week. Hummingbird. We got hummingbirds everywhere. Well, it's a dragonfly. It's a dragonfly. There's some mayflies. Yep. We got lots of <laughs> cool. things to look at. Um, is there anything else fun in the summer? Um, we're fixing a, we have a handful of bulkheads we got to fix this summer. What's a bulkhead? Um, it, how do you explain it? It's what controls the flow of water between ditches or beds or ponds. One of the ones that we have to replace this summer is a big old steel one. All of them now that we have when we replace them are aluminum. Um, this is a handmade steel one that we, it has, I think it's, God, it's got to be six feet wide, easy. Yeah. Um, it's got two sets of boards, but um, and then it has a tail. So we, we fill it with boards and it stops the water in front. Then it has a tail underneath the ground and this, the, 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 the steel tail underground has rusted a hole in it. And now the, the, the earth behind that has washed away over the years. So we have to dig that out. Yeah. <laughs> Porter's excited. Um, well, I don't know. A lot of time in the summer, it's a lot of work on stuff that we beat up all winter when we're driving around in dump trucks too. Um, a lot of road repairs and, and a couple fixing washouts. Washouts. Um, fixing cross, you know, earth in between the beds, cross dams um, that we drove on a lot. Um, Especially with like our new plantings too, like everything is sand right now. So like the, the size of the ditches are all sand. So they don't have that extra support from like the grass that no grows down on the, yeah, there's no root systems growing on it. So there's a lot of washout. So if we get a heavy rain, um, you have to go out there right away and scoop out any sand that might've washed down in there. So it doesn't suffocate the plants and build that back up. Um, so it's just a lot of, a lot of maintenance, a lot of keeping an eye on things. So like in the mornings when I drive around, I like it because I can see the changes every single morning. So if we have like really hot days like today and tomorrow where it's like 95, 100 degrees, you can go out the next day and like see a dramatic change in the plant growth. Um, and you can also see like if something isn't getting enough water, if like the vines are looking scorched or anything like that, you can kind of see that really well in the morning. Um, and then just, just driving around, checking the plant development, making sure everything's looking okay. And, and uh, checking to see if the vines are looking like they need extra fertilizer. And you can tell that because the vines might be turning a little bit more yellow or red. Uh, and you don't want that. You want the vines to be a green, lush color. Um, so then when we fertilize, we have this um, piece of equipment that we call a boom. And it's uh, a tractor that has a platform on the side. And there's a, a steel hopper on this platform. And there's a big fan that you can control back there. So there's, and then there's like this, how long is the arm? Oh, shoot, 90 something. 90 some feet long. And then on that arm, there's, uh, there's PVC that runs from the, the steel hopper out the length of the arm. And then there's little, uh, ports. ports that come out of the PVC that just blows the fertilizer down. Um, so it's pretty precise. You can control the ports on the um, mm. what's the the and hopper on the platform. I couldn't think of the word the hopper. You can control There's the gates ports for every port. Yeah, so you can close um, oh, come on, those ports 
depending on like the width of the bed. So usually uh, the arm will reach halfway across the bed. So you make one lap down and then you turn around and come back the other direction. So it covers everything. And you have a sheet um, with you on the platform that tells you what ports need to be closed depending on which bed you're on and the direction you're going. Um, so you're not getting overlap in the middle and then causing a bunch of overgrowth because of over fertilization. So uh, once we start fertilizing, you're probably at least putting something on at least once a week and mm -hmm. from like June until end of August until the fruit stops growing pretty much or until the vines don't need the extra um, minerals to support growth of the fruit. But then at the same time, you're like you said earlier, you're working on that bud for next year already too. Yeah. So you need, so not only are you, does a vine need support for the fruit, it also needs support to grow the, the bud. So the following spring, you kind of tell how good of a job you did fertilizing based off of like your bud counts for the spring. That makes sense. But that's, mm -hmm. that's where your tissue samples come in too. Yeah. So I, uh, I do tissue, I do soil samples, um, kind of early summer, later spring. So I'll, I do tests throughout the entire marsh and, uh, we send those soil samples in just so we can see what our nutrient counts are like. So if we have an excess of something, we know not to apply, um, that as heavily as we did the previous year and kind of counterbalance but usually um, we we work with an IPM or an integrated press management team that helps us. <laughs> That's really great at helping us uh, figure that out. And especially um, if we need to control um, for insects, they, they let us know what to apply and when to apply it and the rate to apply it. Um, and just, and they're really great at helping us kind of make sure everything's working. <laughs> I think Porter has had enough. Is there anything else that you want to throw in about summer on the marsh? Not that I know of. <laughs> oh, he's doing it. We gotta go. <laughs> um, if you guys have questions for the podcast, you can leave us a voice message and <laughs> If you want to leave us a voice message, you can go to speakpipe.com slash forward farming podcast, and you can leave us like a 60 second uh, voice memo. I always, we always enjoy listening to those. We'll play it on the next episode. <laughs> Give you a little shout out. And if you're not watching on YouTube, you should probably check it out. Porter saying hi. <laughs> um, if you're not following us already, feel free to do so. We always love new faces. I'm over at Cranberry Chats. Becca is over at Becca Hilby. And our podcast is Poor Farming Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube. <laughs> also, if you guys are feeling like extra generous and like kind of bored, I just uh, launched a new blog. If you want to check that out, I have one blog post and uh, a drink recipe on there. I'm hopefully gonna keep adding to that. So if you wanna check that out, that's over at cranberrychats.com. We try to keep things simple around here. Porter helped me with it every time he took a nap. 
I started writing. So on that note, Porter is saying goodbye to all of you lovely people. And Dan's saying goodbye too. Dan's saying he needs a drink and a nap. (laughs) Porter's gouging Dan's eyes out. So we're going to go. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.